0: It's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful year, a wonderful experience to, to be a part of this and to to just tackle some of the, the difficult subjects. And I think more of that needs to happen, more discuss, discussions. And and with these discussions and with these challenges that we just point it all out in the scripture,
1: you know? You know, for the podcast, I heard a preacher one time say, I don't want to be answering the questions that nobody's asking. Because I
2: be Why you still be doubting you got a soul Like you need to see to believe these things But you believe things that you've never seen Like feelings and hopes and dreams The future emotions and gravity And sadly, everything you're rejecting Makes this whole life a tragedy And I got something to say, I got something to say I got something to say to the world And I got place to make, I got steps to take I got cakes to bake, I got shoes to tie I got mountains to climb, I got things that I really strive to do Just before I die, huh? So I'ma do all that I'm called to do I'ma call on you so you could recall it to memory When you remember me speaking about the remedy of the living king He's the one giving you everything Every good thing that you got Everything that you not When you think that you high He's the one at the top that can make it all stop He started it all from the very beginning The very beginning and when he Welcome to the Milk and Meat Podcast My name is Andrew Krimkovich with my co-host Aldo Beltran And we have our guests So please feel free to introduce yourself
1: My name is Jeremy Dillman Pastor of New Mountain Church
2: and LG Briones. Um, so, we wanted to do an end of the year episode, and hopefully, I'll be able to actually put this up in one day. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if I can edit it. At end of the today. year,
0: beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, uh, but we wanted to do an episode uh, kind of culminating our thoughts on what has happened this past year, theologically, doctrinally, in our own lives, spiritually maybe what we might have seen uh, directly affect us or the people that we care about and love, how we've been affected or grown in our ministries. And I just thought this would be a good free-for-all conversation. But I just wanted to start out by... uh, I made a little list of some of the topics that we did have a chance on this podcast to to approach and tackle. And some of them we went a little more in-depth. Others kind of just grazed that topic. And everyone here has already actually been part of some of these and that was really awesome. But we got to touch on prayer, evangelism, church attendance, salvation, the gospel, the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, New Age spiritism. that was actually one that I really want to go more into one day. Um, doctrine, the Trinity, um, holiness, progressive Christianity, Halloween Acts chapter 2 verse 38, uh, and black Hebrew Israelites which I think part one was like one of the most viewed episodes we had. So I think people were interested in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in 2022, there are some things that we'd be able to get involved in because people are actually asking those questions. They actually want to know the right teaching on that stuff. Um, But sanctification, I mean, we we touched on holiness, a two-part, me and LJ, we did that last time. But being able to actually go into what is sanctification, being able to kind of properly uh, part it from salvation as if, because some people teach it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like we, we should be able to separate and divide it and say, actually salvation is the eternal aspect. Sanctification is the growing aspect. Um, the Trinity, I'd love to go more in depth. Yeah. Because we, what was it? It was like an hour or something. It wasn't a long episode. Uh, we did that at the coffee shop. Right. That was like that was good. But the audio was messed up. I, I think I messed up on my mic. So his mic's super clear because I brought both of these mics and mine has like the static behind it. And as I'm like <laughs> editing, I was like, Oh, what did I do wrong? Like it sounds like I'm a robot. I was like, Oh man, that was so disappointing. But, uh, but, man, just being able to kind of go into it and teaching. What is the Trinity? What is what is this understanding of the triune, the one triune God? Mm-hmm. And why is it important to understand it rightly so that we don't... Because, you know, we, we come from a oneness background. And we're taught that anyone that is a Trinitarian believes in three gods. Mm. And they're lost. Yeah. And they're unsaved. And that's that, in general, parting from true believers for the wrong understandings is a terrible thing, and that happens with false teaching and happens with false doctrines. Um, so I'd want to be able to go into that, uh, kind of breaking down uh, a description, a faithful biblical one of the Holy Spirit from Old and New Testament descriptions alike. Uh, apostasy, actual apostasy, showing what what it means to actually walk away from the knowledge of God as, as it is juxtaposed to the view that you can lose your salvation which is a false view it's not a biblical view so what is real apostasy um the satan i started i I started saying it that way the satan Mm -hmm. because it is in hebrew that's what it is it's the deceiver it's the adversary the adversary so the satan is actually the right way to do it um the mark of the beast we started kind of talking about this a lot yeah and i think it's important for people to get that because people it's funny that you can, it's funny to think that you can over spiritualize something concerning the God who is spirit, but you can, you can over spiritualize some things. Um, and I'm not saying that there isn't a spiritual aspect to the mark of the beast, but there, there, there is this over spiritualization. There is this, this wrong view that people are taking. They're looking for all the wrong signs. They're looking for the wrong things. They're pointing at the wrong stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why people can say, I won't get the vaccine. That's the mark. It's like, Your theology is wrong, it's going to lead you in some really funny directions, and you're going to view God and society in the wrong way. And maybe you might stand on the wrong hill to die on the wrong hill for the wrong things because you have a wrong view of what Revelation teaches. Um, The wrong and the right church, like as far as congregation-wise, if someone's looking for a church. uh, Worldliness, faith, sacrificial living, and the anointing um those are some of the topics that as i made a list i was like i really think we can dig into and study that i got um part three of joe beakey's and paul smalley's hmm. volume three and it's what is it christ in the spirit or oh, the spirit and salvation so did you read the first one
1: i have been reading i was it, gonna give it back to it's you, good yeah. right yeah. i love how
2: they good. man they did good so i'd totally recommend the reformation with it reform systematic theology. There's three volumes. They're 1200 pages each and they're good. Mm-hmm. 1200 good pages. I'm a little over halfway through volume two, volume three came in and I'm excited to read it, but yeah, whenever you're done,
0: I'll be back, yeah.
2: yeah, just enjoy it. I mean, really get it. It's really, really beneficial. Um, so yeah, uh, I just think the fact that we're studying these things, the fact that we're, we're having these conversations, um, I think it's really important that we really kind of use all the tools that we have, our friendships, our relationships, our own personal mm-hmm. growth, our own understanding of God's word, and just just voice it faithfully, as descriptively as possible, because people are hearing this stuff, yeah. and they are being benefited by sound doctrinal teaching, and they're being hurt by unbiblical mm-hmm. teaching. And I see that. I continually see the pain and the suffering and the struggles that happen when people are believing things like the dress code saves you i mean that's just from that's refreshed from yesterday because i found this what was the page the berean? the berean berean holiness mm-hmm. they did good and i can't believe I it i can't believe i haven't found their page before it just <laughs> came up someone shared it and i was like these guys are doing the same thing they're 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 speaking against yeah. wrong doctrinal views that really lock people up in, in something that they don't need to be locked up in so anyone that's interested in chiming in
0: yeah uh i mean i'll just go ahead and say i i'm very grateful and it, it's very evident what god has been doing with this podcast it has certainly grown i Uh, The other day, uh, after I listened to the last podcast we recorded with uh, LJ, um, it automatically plays, like, the very next uh, podcast, and it started playing the very first one that that you did. Okay. It, it, like, circled around. And it was funny because the audio was very different as well, and I'm like, man, it's come a long way. And now it's like that he was doing it by himself, and, you know, by the grace of God, you know, I was able to join in, and then, I mean, after that you jeremy mm-hmm. lj and just among others um it's very evident that god is definitely doing something through this bo- podcast and i'm grateful to be a part of it i'm, I'm grateful to even see it uh i it, it is true i think a lot of people are being affected by bad doctrine and uh they don't hear sound doctrine so i've uh over the last what, like two years, maybe maybe a year and a half, um, I've I mean stepped out of of the apostolic Pentecostal uh, movement. That's my background. It's all our background, and uh, it's so you know, and and just studying into what Bible doctrine is and what the Bible teaches, like the Word of God for what it is. Uh, I I started reading and studying things that I had never heard of or understood before and it's like it's something that among real Christianity it's like it's common knowledge for some of them it it really did feel like i was reading the bible for the first wow. time and uh it, it is amazing i was very grateful to god uh the timing couldn't have been more perfect um but with that did come a lot of challenges uh you know you you step out of the assembly and there is this uh this sort of pushback, uh, from people that are in it. Um, and I understand, you know, I understand where it comes from. You know, these are people that, that I grew up with. These, some of these people are my own family members and, uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard for them because they think that you are falling off the wagon and, and you're being lost. Um, but more than anything, I I pray to God for wisdom and, and, and guidance in this because I want to be able to explain And be effective, and and with all these challenges and all this pushback, does come an opportunity to share the actual gospel. Because Mm -hmm. the last question is like, so why are you leaving, or or why why do you think this way? Well, it's like, well, let's let's look at the Bible. Let's let let me point this out. So yes, definitely, it is challenging. Uh, There are some very heartbreaking moments, but with all that, is a very real opportunity to be able to explain. And and uh, and just show and give them the real gospel, give them what the word of God actually says. And I've been very grateful for that. Um, and it's just it, it's one of those things that like I can see God working and God moving. Uh, and it's crazy. I, I'm looking at your list and it's like, man, we covered a lot of different subjects. And mm-hmm. definitely there's some that we only just kind of scratch the surface and, and definitely. A place where we can go in deeper and and really explain things so i'm looking forward to touching on those subjects going back uh to some of those and and just diving deeper yeah. um i'm kind of surprised that the black hebrew israelite one was one of the most watched one that was that all just stemmed from uh an experience i had in san diego i you know it's just at the time, it was like, "Whoa, what is this?" You know, and and it's it's a very real thing. There's there's just bad teachings all over. Really and, bad teachings, Yeah, with that. Yeah, absolutely. I
1: is there Black Hebrew Israelites in Yuma? I I have not met any. There's a no. whole bunch of roots Hebrew roots movement people, but well, that's a he, different thing. What's than, the Hebrew roots? That's where they observe all the Hebrew traditional. Oh, like traditional. Uh, like trying to be orthodox, mm-hmm. but yet I haven't seen a lot of that. But yet, still believe in the Messiah. I think in That's the time,
2: I think in the time of all of that racial, ethnic—I want to say ethnic—because it's ethnicity, one human race, multiple ethnicities. I think in the time when all of that was really, really bubbling and boiling uh, over the time towards 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 the actual last election, um, towards the end of last year, or was it last year? Yeah. In the midst of last year and the beginning of this year, I think in that time, I think anything pertaining to race or racial elitism or any, any idea in any Mm. direction really became a, a search engine topic. That was really looked up a lot. Right. Like what is, yeah, what's it mean to be black or white in America? What does it mean to be persecuted, to be oppressed? What does it mean? So black Hebrew Israelites, their voice kind of really went out yeah, because they stand for black yeah. nationalism, basically mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like African Hebrew nationalism, which is it's weird um, yeah. because it's not, it's not biblically correct to view anything that way. Um, So that's, that's why I think the black Hebrew Israelite episodes were viewed a lot Mm. because there were so many videos of, um, there were so many videos where the black Hebrew Israelites would speak and they would speak to the, to the need or maybe to the, to the marginalized aspect that some, um, black Americans, maybe black Europeans might feel or sense, um, and they would speak into that need but when you view the theology when you view everything else about what they believe you'd be like that's a hostile group mm-hmm. yeah but because they speak to the need sometimes you can get someone because you speak to their depression you speak to their anxiety and then you fill it in with something really bad but they hear the depression and anxiety aspect and they're like i want i i associate with that and then you add in all the other stuff and you realize like well, I still want that need met. I still have that view that I agree with, so maybe I can partake of some of it. So some people kind yeah. of cling on to a movement because they associate with some of it, and it's a really big part for them, but the rest of it, they're like, God, I dismiss it. I'm not really with that, and you see that with cults. You see that with wrong teaching. People will associate with one thing, and they'll just they won't really take the rest but they're still part of the bubble and they're still affected by it. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's why the Black Hebrew Israelite episode came up, but when sense. when it came up, we, we did what, three parts? Yeah. After part one, I realized people actually really wanted to hear this. I started like messaging like, hey, are there Black Hebrew Israelites in Yuma, Arizona? Yeah. And I know there's some in Phoenix, um, but I was like, hey, I'd love to talk to someone that is currently a Black Hebrew Israelite. I would love to sit them down and talk to them. I'd love to discuss I wasn't. I wasn't able to find any groups locally in Yuma. Maybe because I don't know how to search for that stuff. But, but I don't know if there's like an official. Yeah. An official one.
1: Well, I wonder if, from your background, I wonder how they would view you. I'm I'd thinking be, I'd would be looked
2: at as a false Jew,
1: even though I'm a Jew. Okay. Because mm-hmm. they look at those that are not
2: actually black uh-huh. as f- the imposters, mm-hmm. Okay. Which is. Okay. Huh. I don't associate more with my Judaism than I do with Christ and his, his blood. Yeah. Uh, but just to be able to see that, you know, you go into Israel and you see predominantly European looking or right. Israelis. And then to tell them like, they're not it cause they're not black. That's pretty, <laughs> Yeah. that's pretty odd. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's it. Like there's this whole view that, um, T- you know, there's tough- this big thing where the blacks are, yeah. are, are pushed away well, think- and, and the whites are brought in as, it's like, it's Edomites. really always skin color. I think, I think
1: it's. I think they view whites as Edomites. I think that's how it goes. I well, know so that where for the Edomites, I, hated I, ones. I know that uh, for the extreme versions of Black Hebrew Israelite, uh, they get into all sorts of stuff, even into reincarnation, to yeah. where some of those guys think that they're the reincarnation of David. Yeah. One of them thinks he's the reincarnation of the Holy Spirit. Like it, <laughs> it gets so far out that it's. Uh, it's a crazy heresy, it's like,
0: you know. That's that's something interesting. It's almost like any uh, false theology, like where they take the Bible and they they make their own message. It always comes back to that. I'm somehow oh, yeah. God. Right? I am somehow yeah.
3: the one. Well, if you think about it, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you go to Mormonism. Yeah. It's kind of like they are the new Jews now, mm-hmm. because uh, you know, supposedly they have the second book. Because Jesus supposedly went into the Americas after he yeah, resurrected, yeah. Yeah. so it's it's the same thing with um, the Black he- Hebrew Israelites. Um, it's the same thing with the Mormons, um, and then you go into other movements that they try to rewrite the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, you have you know those favorite people that wake you up on Saturday morning. Uh, they'll come but, to your house, yeah. <clears throat> you know, Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, they'll tell you what John one one is, but they'll give you their yeah. interpretation of what it is so it's a it's a connection into a lot of other things and unfortunately um, that mindset of we're the original ones comes into a lot of cults yeah it's 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 the same thing that unfortunately I experienced uh, growing up sometimes that term was used um, it's like one thing we don't believe something but it was expressed mm. that uh, the original understanding of what we believed is comes all stems all the way from the original but really, you know, a lot, of, a lot of cults, a lot of movements, they have the same bad start. Um, you know, I know that this is not usually considered a cult because it doesn't have to do with Christianity, but it's also like the Nation of Islam. You know, in, in the Muslim views, it's the same thing. The Muslims, uh, they have supposedly their origin um, you know, from the Prophet Muhammad, but then they have Nation of Islam, they have other things. So it's the same thing. Um, and they, they all stem it through Ishmael. And they all stem it, yeah. So that's a, it's the same thing that happens in Christianity. There's these movements that come, but yet there's reinterpretation of the scriptures. There's So it's kind of like we're trying to make it ours. And it's true what you were saying about the Hebrew Israelites. I mean, I've seen videos of... Um, there's really big movements in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a yeah, preacher, on the East Coast. Yeah, the... On the preacher that I used to listen to. Um, uh, you know, they would have people or their groups go and, you know, their choirs go out and sing and, and try to evangelize. And then the Hebrew Israelites would come up to them and just start cussing at them and start. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. and that's, but for them though, that's, that was their practice. That's their practice mm. because that's kind of like something holy to them to yeah. just begin to curse. And they, yeah. they, it's, it's has more of to, it's more of a racial, um, I'll go back to what Andrew said, more of a skin colored issue um, as opposed to you know what the scriptures are really saying, and then it's true. If if your skin color is not the correct skin color, you're not the original. Mm-hmm. If if you're if you're white, which is very similar to nation of Islam, if you're white, you're of the devil. You um, know, so it's kind of like the same thing. And that's not what we read in the scriptures. Right. You know, it the, the the word of God transcends all whatever your skin color is or whatever your ethnicity is or whatever you wherever you come from. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you guys were saying that, you know, we can connect that with experiences that we've had. Those that say we're the originals. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: think yeah. it's interesting to consider that it, it might be very hard. I don't know how deep someone would actually look to find an actual purebred anything right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, No matter what, if you're not, if you're not super dark black, you're mixed mm-hmm. in some way, in some form, like you just are, you can uh, light skinned. You can see that if, if anyone, uh, like, People can look at me and just say I'm white. It's like, well, I'm I'm Russian. Then you can look at Aldo and say he's white. It's like he's Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you, we don't even know what someone is. I'm like five thousand different things.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you're a mixture of it all. <laughs> it's like
2: there's, it's really hard to find a purebred. But there is this ideology mm-hmm. within the Black Hebrew Israelite movement that you must be you you must find your trace your roots back to the original and say you are purebred. If you're not, you're like even half black. There was like Black Hebrew Israelites. Who were seen on video, like talking down to someone in the crowd, saying, Look at this, look at this. It's like, but it's not it's a mix. It's it's a it's a half black, half white. and they would say, like, you're white, you're white, and they would come out and say, like, Bro, like, my mother's black, my my dad's like Haitian or something. And it's like they would yeah. curse out what they would see as a non black person, but it is. And like they yelled at Aldo, saying, making it sound like, you know, white people. He's like, I'm Mexican. They I mean, black Hebrews like yeah. generally look at anyone that's not Pure white, and and look at them as possibly um, persecuted group, uh, Hispanic, Black. So to 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 yell or look down upon Aldo in the crowd, thinking this is just another white guy, yeah. But he might fall into that category that they actually don't persecute. Yeah. they're persecuting what they. So it's it's like when you look at something and expect it to be this pure perfect vision, it's like there there really are not many, at least
3: in the mm-hmm. United States. Well, if I'm not mistaken, purebred. Isn't one of the scriptures that they use is uh, between Esau and, and uh, Jacob? How God hated Esau, what He loved Jacob. Yeah, isn't that okay. one of the scriptures that they use? If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. It's either it's either them that use that scripture or the or the nation of Islam that uses that scripture. Yeah, but I, d- I just to kind of just to kind of make reference, that Islam does. Islam does, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because okay. it's probably the nation of Islam. But but it's kind of funny that mentality is still there. Yeah. Because that's, you know, they'll say that from the beginning because the expression of Esau supposedly is that he was light-skinned or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that's where they try to stem it from, to try to get it from the very beginning. And that's usually what false doctrine and, and cults do. They'll grab a piece of scripture and they'll try to go as far as they can at the beginning and then say, this is where it comes from. Stretch it all the way. Yeah. Yeah. What we're gonna say? you know
0: yeah i was gonna say <laughs> i find a a very interesting pattern so with the black hebrew in israelites it's like you don't look like us you're not part of us it it's crazy how far that can really go because in in the apostolic movement it's like if you're not wearing the dresses if you don't have a clean shaved face you know you're not christian oh. like uh, I mean, not to point you out, but like your 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 right. dreads—that yeah. would be like, oh, there's there's no way this man is a <laughs> right. Christian. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's so crazy how deep that can really stem. Like, it could go as far as like race uh-huh. to even like the minor details of somebody's facial hair or hair or the articles of clothes they wear. Yeah. It's like they're trying to make th- it's like you you don't look like us. That there's no way you can be part of us. They try to make their own version of. Of what God would deem holy, of what God would right. call their child. You know what I mean? It's it's so crazy. I, I just I'm noticing that that pattern more and more. Uh, yeah, I just I wanted to point that out. Yeah. That is that is so I don't interesting. know I don't
2: know where people even get that clean cut kind of aspect. Like that's the clean cut. Clean cut could be with a beard too, but it's like when the oil drips down to the beard of Aaron and there's there's a psalm about that, and it's like <laughs> there's a psalm about that. That's yeah. a praised thing. Uh, it was actually praised to grow out your beard, not to shave it. It was shameful to shave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying grow out and don't grow out. I'm saying that has nothing to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a culture thing. It has yeah. nothing to do with it. It's
3: not a, it's not a principial thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well,
1: even John MacArthur said that, uh, you know, when the Jesus movement was happening uh, in the 70s and 80s, um, that the hippies were coming into his church, right? Well, you know, he even makes the statement that, uh, you know, we didn't, Changed to look like them They changed to look like us And it's like Okay but like I mean John you're wearing a suit That that came into style You know A yeah. few A uh, hundred years ago yeah. I mean that's, yeah, It hasn't always been the style So we're, we're, You're just clinging to a style That you want You know That's what people do Is they They cling to a style That they want You know yeah. You guys are talking about uh, com- Coming from the oneness background You know I didn't come from the oneness background, but essentially I did come from a oneness background. I only cared about one person myself you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Roman Catholic Church on Christmas and easter and and like you know it was you know, I was just doing what I wanted to do. I was floating down the stream of life, you know, not a care in the world and until God got hold of me so that's uh I think that you know when I look at what has happened this last year and what is. You know, I'm praying for to happen this next year. Um, this topic of false doctrine, it's a constant. It, yeah. it, it's a conversation that never stops, actually. Because you're right, it hurts people. It hurts people in believing something that's not true and confusing somebody about scripture. And uh, it keeping somebody outside the doors. I mean, that's an endless amount of ways to be hurt by false doctrine. And so this then it comes onto our plate, how do we address it then? That's that's the question, you know, how do we address it? Because not every instance requires a buzzsaw, which a lot of us want to be buzzsaws, and we got to hold off cuz there is the time for the buzzsaw, for sure. Mm-hmm. But then there's the time for the scalpel. That's what we got to we got to kind of discern these yeah moments in life where at all times this false doctrine get addressed but how how are we doing it how how are we how are we uh, working it out yeah there's
2: there's a precision to it absolutely that's why that's why this uh i i think this next year is going to be even more different because what we what we had a passion to do this year we really wanted to get into doctrine and man you're right like when i was going through this list and i was just going through the that streaming uh app that that i upload all of the episodes and then they shoot it out to all the podcast uh, podcast websites i was like blown away because this this is a culminated list but but there's more than one episode to some of these areas and there's more than one focus in some of these there's Mm. some episodes i didn't even list on here just because they were more general we went into some serious stuff but it's like this is intense we we went in because of a false teaching on prayer. Yeah. And that was a two or three part and it it was like teaching people teaching people to declare or teaching people that they will always heal mm. or teaching them to expect it and to 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 beg for the healing through speaking in tongues so that it will be more affirmed it's like that we we opposed that view because that was a false teaching and that's gonna that's gonna affect people's entire prayer life absolutely i mean if it was someone i mean there's there's stuff that doesn't matter as much there really is such thing as secondary issues we even we did an episode on uh what was it do theology podcast was yeah, the, it their list the chart i yeah, think yeah. we
0: covered like just the first part of it Yeah,
2: we covered some part yeah. of the first table yeah like they have three columns One's like primary stuff this separates christians from non-christians mm. most likely um then there is secondary stuff probably separate churches from churches but not the church like it's still christians they just might not congregate because of how they handle some and then there's stuff that totally up to you you might separate you might not hang out with that christian but you know they're christian you just don't feel like like we, we want to approach the first column stuff, the stuff that yeah. really does separate non-Christians Idiophora. from Christians. Yeah. And then let's, let's talk about the second stuff that might separate congregations from congregations if they're viewed in an unhealthy way. Yeah. But just kind of going through that, I was blown away to see how much we actually got into because we started talking about the prayer thing that actually separates believers from other believers. Yeah. Like to view prayer in a certain way, you can actually separate from other... Believers, calling them like unsaved, unholy, unclean, sinful. I mean, there's people that say you must speak in tongues in your prayer language. That's the way they—we've done an episode on speaking tongues. My conclusion, I believe the Bible's conclusion is it's not a prayer language. It isn't that. Um, But if someone should choose for some reason, like we're able to agree. If someone should choose on their own personal time, in their own privacy— or uh, to, to practice what they see as a prayer language, okay, but we'll make sure that we teach that they articulate and faithfully and scripturally and uh, reverently do pray and articulate to God their actual desires so that they don't just live off uh, a very, very emotionalistic aspect and they actually articulate their heart and their mind in prayer. We, w- we would We would encourage and plead with them to do that. And hopefully to be able to view that, it doesn't show in the Bible that it is actually a secret thing. But if someone should choose on their own, in their own privacy to do this, I wouldn't say go do it. I would say, if that's what you choose to do after you hear all this, fine, you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. But when people say, hey, if you don't do this, and this is not your regular experience, experience, you are not a Christian. Mm. You don't have the spirit, and you you are... on your way to hell. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff we're talking about. There's a way sometimes to manage these issues and say, if that is what you choose to do, I can choose to say agree to disagree to an extent. But but there's some things where we have to be like, hey, you know, this is this is a big issue. This this has to be agreed upon. Mm-hmm. Like the Trinity and oneness. Yeah. I, I believe that you can come to a saving faith in Christ without understanding or being taught wrong about the Trinity. Because I came to saving faith in Christ and then I was taught for seven years that there's oneness, oneness, there's no Trinity. And I just, I, I went with it. I I, yeah. I I looked for it and I used that scripture as affirmations to that belief. But I still had a right relationship with God and I and I, and I knew him and he worked in me and his spirit led me. I just didn't understand God. And I think there is this, I don't get him aspect to it that continues but I also know that once someone teaches hey those that believe the trinity are wrong I wasn't able to go with that and I think that's God's grace working in me Mm -hmm. like I was able to meet baptists and be like that's a Christian Mm -hmm. and I was taught no they're not and that's where a lot of my doctrinal struggles began really early on in my faith like I was like I don't get it that is a Christian why am I being told it's not And I didn't get it. I didn't understand the doctrine. And when you hear for seven years someone teaching you that it's not it and you don't learn how to look into doctrine rightly, you're going to be twisted up in certain ways. But you can be a safe Christian and believe in the oneness. Yeah. But your view on non-oneness believers and maybe, maybe even your view on what you should and could know about God will be limited and twisted in a way. But there are some people that say, oh, no, if you don't believe in the Trinity and you believe in the oneness, you can't be saved. I'm like, that's that's not a requirement to understand the depths and the intricacies of God to believe on Christ. You hear Christ preach, you can be saved at that moment mm-hmm. through believing faith. Yeah. But what will your faith amount to? How will it grow? What will be working out in it? That will affect, be affected completely by the doctrine that you're surrounded by. So I I, I think Absolutely. it's incredible that we were able to go into some of these topics.
3: Yeah, well, no you know, in, in my experience, I think going back to what you were saying, people just want to make a distinction and, you know, c- cut it clear. And sometimes you just can't do that. Yeah. And and the problem is, is that when men get together and there's a prideful uh, way that pe- they carry themselves, um, you know, for example, in a cult or a movement, it it's, it goes back to, it's, it, it doesn't, there's Bible included, but it never goes back to the Scriptures and its origin. It's always who started the movement. Yeah. It's always what year did it start. It's always uh, this person so-and-so or brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And, and it always goes back to the beginning of the movement and not the Scriptures itself. And so, you know, when you're going back to like oneness in Trinity, um, you know, it, yeah, it's true. It, because that it goes back to what we understand salvation is. It doesn't come from us. It comes from God, and so God can save the person. Uh, just like I've heard, you know, um, uh, I think it was Strange Fire Conference. Uh, John MacArthur was saying that there are people in different movements that God is saving. And there's there's actual saved people in different movements, mm-hmm. even though there's bad doctrine there. Right. And so, you know, now that I have studied and I've had to ask the Lord to, to work in my life, and I can actually go in there, and I like how... Um, uh, Dr. Brown said it in a debate, he said, I'm just simply, I can just simply accept what is written in the, in the Bible. And that's how I feel now in my life, is like, I can go in there and I can accept it, but I think what happens in our lives is that we've to study the Scripture, and not just take the word of somebody else for it. Um, you cannot try to serve the Lord, and, and even less, try to put your salvation on the understanding of another person, it's mm-hmm. like this is what we have. We have the scriptures. We have, you know, on on, on paper. I don't whatever color paper you have, black and white, some red letters, mm-hmm. but it's written there and it's for our understanding. I mean, even the Apostle Paul says that things were, that were written before were written before for our learning,
4: mm-hmm. so
3: that way we, we would grow through them. So you know, for me in my life, growing up, being a pastor's kid, uh, my grandfather being a pastor, my dad being a pastor, it was hard to go through what I went through because the the biggest thing that I had to do in my life was I, I was able to understand the doctrine. I was able to understand the Word of God. Here's the issue now, your family. Oh, yeah. Here's the issue, uh, your legacy, per se. Yeah. Because it's always about the legacy, the legacy, the legacy. And what I grew up in, and, and, and I have no problem, I think we should honor people. I, I don't, I'm not saying that that's the issue. What I'm saying is that what I grew up in is it was always about uh, uh, so-and-so who started a movement or what your legacy was. And I'm like, I think about it now, being kind of on the outside and looking in, is uh, I was so um, in it that a lot of other movements do the same thing. It, it It's, you know, if you look at Mormonism, who, who was the founder of that movement, if you look at, um, you know, you get talking about the black Hebrew Israelites, even though they'll say that it's from the beginning. You know, you, you look at uh, the... the uh Jehovah's Witness. They do the same thing. You know, one time a Jehovah's Witness went to my house, um, so that way they could evangelize. Like, when did you guys get started? Oh, it was like eighteen something. I was like, I was yeah. waiting for him to say, oh well we stem from the Bible but there was yeah. like and it was like eighteen sixty something eighteen fifty something. So William Taze Russell was the founder. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and I had, and at that time history buff. <laughs> yeah. at that time <laughs> I, I <love> had, history. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't looked into it, you know, because I was not really worried about it. I was still yeah. dealing with oh. some other things. But I, I'm like surprised, I'm like You know, you're really going to base off uh, your faith uh, uh, because somebody supposedly uh, had—and I say this with all due respect—a type of revelation, even though the Scriptures clearly say otherwise. Mm. You know, and so going back to my story, I think that's what has prompted all of us in, in a way is God has given us the grace. Okay, we start looking into the Word. What's the Word saying? We begin to compare it to what we're living Um, you know, talking about the speaking of tongues and supposedly moving of the Spirit. I grew up in that. Mm. I, you know, I always um, tell my friends that growing up, especially when I actually had became an an ordained minister in the organization, I was like, my mindset was, I need to be like this oneness champion. Mm. I need to be this person to stand for. I need to be, and now I'm like, now that I've looked into the scripture, I'm like, what was it really about? Was it more about my pride was it more about me trying to stand up for a movement, as rather you know, standing up for the scriptures, in which I can go now to the scriptures and I can see completely something, something completely different. Um, and I think you know, as we begin to talk about the podcast, it's been a blessing. This is barely my technically my second time, even though you split the show. Welcome up back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it it really is helping people, and I see it from this view. I think about myself and the things that I've been through. And I know that there's other people going through it. But when you are in a organization where I come from, you don't speak about these things. It's kind of like a, a Hispanic family. Something happens, you're not allowed to say anything about it. Don't talk about your Theo. do <laughs> yeah. Don't talk about you know your grandpa. Even though that mistake was wrong, don't say anything. And it's kind of like the same type of mindset mm. um, where, where you when you deal with something that you're trying to come out of, And now when I see it from the outside, I'm like, I can literally follow the Scripture as it is written. Yes, we know that some things are—we have to look in the context, we have to study it deeper. I know that. But I can go in there and I can say, this is what it says. I don't have to rearrange it in my mind like I used to. Mm. I don't have to talk about God and His nature, who He is, whether He's oneness or Trinity. I can go in there and I can say, this is who God is. He's a triune God, and I can say, I can accept it from Genesis all the way to Revelations. Right. Uh, and I think that's the issue, is when you grow up in something, you're taught a certain way, genuinely and honestly, but the issue comes now when you go against a view of somebody else. And I think that this podcast uh, is a blessing. Um, and, you know, we're talking about all these different doctrines and movements and who goes to the, back to the original... And that, that happens all the time. I said it last podcast. Solomon said it the best. There's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Just like the same way it's been from the very beginning, it's always going to continue. Yeah. And Jeremy said it as well. It, we're always going to deal with it. Paul, before he passed away, before he was murdered, um, he even said there's going to be people that are going to come in and they're going to try to distort the gospel. They're going to try to go back to, to work salvation. And Jude even talks about it too. There's people that have crept in and take the grace of God, you know? So.
0: Yeah. Uh, just a couple things there it's like i I would really like to uh we talked about it too doing the subject on like people putting in unnecessary like uh work on on somebody like you you know what i mean like uh like requirements yeah like requirements or or like you're gonna be this person from now on you know or you're gonna be for example you're gonna be the pastor after Mm -hmm. after your father like like putting this unnecessary burden on somebody when god never intended it yeah uh oh you wanted okay yeah so that's that you mean
2: you mean the marriage episode like
3: are we talking about that
0: no 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 what he's
3: saying is like in my case, um, yeah. you know, when you grow up in in that cultural organization, it's kind of like, for example, my grandfather was a pastor, my dad's a pastor, and so the next step was, hey, you're you the next one. Yeah. You yeah. have to be the pastor. And you know, even though I feel like God has given me that calling, oh yeah, you know, but still, it's like, it's it's hard. It's hard to deal with those things because when I was making the decision to take that step of faith where God was calling me and and. I can go into the whole story, but I'm just gonna say that God spoke to me very strongly. And when it was time for me to make that step of faith, it's you can't you cannot deny what God's doing. but yet sometimes the hardest thing to to do when you're coming out of something like that isn't doctrinal. Sometimes it's family ties. yeah, sometimes it's the relationships you have because in my case, the doctrinal thing, I think God had already placed it in me, and I had a a, a very good grasp but I was still there. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's the family aspect or the relational aspect that takes the longest because, and I go back to Hispanic culture, um, you're very weary about what people say about you. And I, and that could, and, and, you know, somebody could say, oh, that's everywhere. But I think there's a, maybe a difference mm-hmm. in maybe the culture that I grew up in. And sometimes that could be the reason why people are so worried to take that step of faith. So, you know, things like this, like the podcast, it, it helps it brings strength, mm-hmm. uh, because of the things that are being talked about, um, to take that step. Because you're always worried, if I leave, man, I'm condemned. I'm like, yeah. even though you already know what the scriptures yeah. say, even though you know what the, what the doctrine is, you still deal with those things. And I think that's what you're trying to say, is yeah. that you come back from that type of culture. Well, you know, uh, your, 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 great, your great-great-grandmother was... Um, in the apostolic movement, your grandmother was in the apostolic movement, your father's in the apostolic movement, now, you're going to continue the legacy and those are the pressures um, that that come on you. That's, yeah. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah,
0: so yeah, like putting these unnecessary pressures. Uh, uh, we had mentioned marriage. We were, I was going to, sharing experience so that was that was two episodes we it were was, talking about, right yeah it, it was, was kind of the was same two but we were going to kind of like yeah. hopefully you know in this upcoming year we can we can tackle that as lj was talking that's something that came to mind also another uh thing that came to mind too was uh as far as like uh, when you evangelize or when you talk to somebody about oh, okay. about god um one of the things for me in my experience was uh before when i was in the assembly it's like i i I wanted to talk to somebody about god and i would begin to talk to them and then the subject of and and i know it's like it's like minimal and 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 silly but it's like the subject of well you know do i have to wear a veil when i go to church or do i have to shave like what about my tattoos or uh, can i get a tattoo like these little minor things but they were big deals and it's like in the back of my head i'm like well it doesn't matter right now but at some point we're gonna have to like do away with those things you know and it's like it made giving the gospel the for what it is difficult Uh uh-huh now it's like i can just give them the word like like no listen let's talk about the word you're fine your tattoos your dreads your beard whatever that's fine that's let, let me give you the word there's like this this liberation there this freedom to give them the gospel and not give them apostolic doctrine right. and that's something that that as you were talking that that came to my mind i'm like it's it's so freeing to have the gospel there is a liberty there is a freedom there um but it's it's also the truth and yeah. you don't have to hide behind anything you don't have to uh add anything to it it's sufficient enough to save and it's it's something that that i'm really grasping now versus back then where it was like i have to teach them to be apostolic yeah. no it's like i, I just got to teach them to be christian i just yeah. got to point them to christ you
2: know i think uh people they go in the wrong order because as far as the word always preaches, it never preaches standards to non-believers. It preaches the gospel of repentance and faith toward Christ, towards those that haven't yet put their faith in Christ. After you've put your faith, there are these expectations and they're, they're clearly spelled out. Some of them more vague, some of them about personal decisions of how you handle yourself or conduct yourself among different crowds. But generally speaking, there's never a command to, to obey the standards for those that have not yet conformed to Christ in surrender and trust and faith. Cause you're not here to impress God with how you act. You're here to die. Mm -hmm. Die to yourself, die to your sinful ways. Recognize that your, your sin has been required of Christ's own sacrificial suffering on the cross. Like that's your sin, none of his. He didn't perform a thing to ever be up there. He was there never for any of his own deeds. Like if all of us on earth never existed, Christ would never have gone through that. He had nothing to be, um, to be chastised in that way for, to be condemned for. So every time we look at Christ on the cross in our mind or in the Gospels, in our in our memories, in our thoughts, it's always we individually have done enough for that to be a requirement, uh, but not Christ. So someone to be told like hey, you're going to need to change. It's like, don't preach to the flesh. They're still unsaved. If they're still unsaved, they're living in the flesh. You're preaching to a carnal mind, things to sacrifice of carnality. But if this world is all they've got, because they have yet to come to Christ, how are you going to tell them like, hey, you need to get rid of these parts of the world. And that's like, this is all I got. Yeah. They're not running to Christ yet. Right now, they're just, they're just making adjustments. It's like, it's like, that's why breaking away from addictions and breaking away from bad habits is so hard for for many people because you're telling them to break from the only thing they have it's just the world it's like they got hundred percent of the world they could chase after it however they want in their mind and you're telling them like hey you got to cut 50 out it's like 50 so i'm living 50 of a life like for them yeah. they have no second life they have no other views towards heaven so when you come to christ it's like you can't have 200 of the world it's like you have hundred percent of Christ now rid yourself as much as you can because you have your feet planted in heavenly grounds and now everything else like get away from it. Part from that because you already have, you have. So it's easier to part when you have holy affections. It makes sense. Like you're, you, your, you you have your, you have your bride, a husbands, now get your eyes off the things you don't have. Yeah, Wives, you have your groom, get your eyes off all that other stuff. Like, Set your eyes on him. So in the same way, you have Christ, you have life, you have eternal life. Get your eyes off the world. It's, it's only tearing your attention and your affections away from the one who you really have forever. So to preach standards in evangelism, although the gospel might be intermingled into it and you can see someone come to a light bulb saving faith, you are still uh, approaching it wrong. Now, that doesn't mean don't go out anymore. Yeah. Uh, Paul was fine with people preaching Christ out of arrogance or out of just uh, trying to make him uh, suffer more in jail. It's like, oh, look, this guy, he's in jail for some person named Jesus who died and resurrected. However they preached it... um, Someone could hear that and be like, what is that person who's mocking mean that someone died and resurrected? Mm-hmm. There might be enough question. There might be enough to investigate, to come to a saving faith, even through arrogant people that are preaching by making fun and making satire out of the gospel of Christ. So Paul was like, I don't care. I'm not saying shut up. I'm saying keep on throwing your fences at me because you're preaching Christ un- unwantingly. Mm-hmm. And enough people yeah. can hear it because Paul knew that you're saved by faith in the message preached about jesus christ so if someone hears it even if you're cursing jesus Mm. go on i'm okay you're talking about jesus you're talking about his death his resurrection you're talking about me in prison for this faith someone's going to hear it and could come to a saving faith so fine if you're going to hate christ hate him out loud that's fine Mm -hmm. not paul's not saying curse christ He's just saying, I don't I don't care if they want to live their life that way. It's not going to make the cross less powerful. It's not going to yeah. make salvation less attainable. So when we preach standards, we're telling people who don't have their feet at the foot of the cross and their knees bent down and their hearts humbled, we're telling them to act like it. And you can't do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, But one thing, when you were talking about the... Putting undue pressure on people. There was an episode we wanted to do, yeah, um, and it was about we see we see in a lot of churches um, when when two let's say let's say two youth, uh, by youth I mean like teenagers or whatnot, and they fornicate, and now the demand is you need to marry her,
0: yeah,
2: and you marry them, and then their life turns out ugly, and and we're like what, and uh, and I made that comment, which is what made me want to kind of go into one of these days, yeah. We're making, we're legalistically approaching the most sacred human relationship that is supposed to bring glory and honor to God in this world that that exists. And we're we're in some ways we could be I'm gonna just say we could be mocking that institution by demanding someone force their way into it and then think that we've just done God some some thumbs up yeah. even though he's dishonored in every aspect of that marriage because that marriage doesn't care about God. It doesn't care about each individual. It only cares about the sex. They only care that mom and dad not let us have sex with our boyfriends or girlfriends, whoever it is that they have. Like, hey, look. Ha-ha. Like, we yeah. saw a wedding the, where both were laughing because they know we're allowed to have sex now. The church knows and it's cool because we're getting married. Yeah. Their marriage is a sham. Yeah. The, the, and it's like, that's the, exact the circumstance. Yeah, you guys they're...
1: live like a, you guys live a soap opera or something. <laughs> 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 invite me to these weddings <laughs> no yeah
0: the, the exact words though is like we're gonna make it right by doing this yeah it's but, just horrible but it's
2: yeah. it's an institution that's supposed to bring glory and honor to god and the way you live it and when you say like hey you guys have done this sin now you must get married because that's the way to get it right it's like there's there, there, we have to have that preaching of the gospel and the expectations and requirements of marriage in that. And it can't just be, you are now making it right. It's like you are commanded yeah. in your promise before God to honor and sacrifice for this woman because you are reflecting Christ to the world, even if you don't want to. Your, your marriage was something created in the Garden of Eden before sin between Adam and Eve. You are reflecting all that Christ wants to do in a marriage. And woman, you are reflecting all that Christ wants to do with the church in their relationship to to Christ, you are literally saying, this is the gospel, even if you don't want to. You are saying it in your marriage because marriage was created not by legislation or governments or people's preferences or any colonies. It was created by God in a sinless environment in the Garden of Eden before sin ever entered in. And there was that already headship and submission and that you will be for work and you will be for help. There was already that relationship before sin that was already there. And Christ wasn't even... Uh, prophesied yet uh, to Adam and Eve because they didn't yet sin and God didn't yet say, you know, he will crush the serpent's head and he'll bite his heel. None of that was even happening yet and yet Christ was already being foreshadowed in the marital union yeah. because Paul says marriage is like Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. So Christ and the church were already preached before sin in the garden of Adam and Eve, in the garden of God with Adam and Eve. Yeah. When you tell someone, get married, you have to make it right, you're telling them, do a godly work, even if you don't care about it, yeah. and do it. And this, it's like we have to view marriage as much bigger and more important Absolutely. than
0: that. Yeah, and it just it just goes to show how far bad doctrine and bad teaching, bad theology, can take you. Right, you know that's just another example. I'm out yeah. of many that. I've experienced, I'm sure, I mean, you've experienced, all of us have experienced, and it's it's one of the main reasons we do this, too. It's We want to tackle all those bad doctrinal points, and we want to be able to hopefully answer the question of those that might find themselves in a situation where they're questioning a lot of things, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Let me throw out some questions then about marriage because I think this might be uh, nice and helpful. And uh, Although, do you want to step out? Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead (laughs) and step Uh (laughs) out. Thanks, man. Uh, So we're talking about good doctrine, right? We're talking about right doctrine. We're talking about uh, the the sanctity of marriage. (laughs) So where does the preacher come into in marriage?
2: Uh, You mean how does a preacher talk on marriage or how no, is his marriage op- like
1: where is his role in the marriage
2: in his own marriage
1: no in the in the mar- in the in the wedding like uh-huh. this is where like- you mean the
2: one that's actually officiating the uh-huh. wedding um if i if i can understand the preacher is there to pronounce and bless and praise that commitment being made uh maybe to remind them or to encourage them and edify them on their commitment and Uh the expectations. Um, And I'm just saying this, I'm bringing this up just for the fact of... I guess to announce that the husband is now the shepherd of his home. Right. Uh, That is now the husband's responsibility. So the preacher is a help to the husband's shepherding of his wife.
1: And I just bring this up because I think we hold on to some traditions that are not biblical there. Oh, like when you think that the preacher now is the shepherd over that home
2: or things like that? I've seen that.
1: Well, that's not. could any believer fill that role of officiant. Oh, um because there it's it's really hard because if you go ancient days, ancient days it was yeah. a, it was a covenant between two families when 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 somebody was to get married. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the I love you, oh you're so yeah. handsome, let's get No, it was like a it was like a bam, like this is a big thing, like yeah. the, this family agrees to come together with this family and it was a it was a big deal, you know. It was a covenant and, and that covenant um, in the ancient days, the covenant of the... Uh, uh, even like Mary and Joseph, like mm-hmm. the betrothal, essentially mar- that's marriage. Yeah. The betrothal you would need to get uh, uh, legally divorced from back then. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So oh, like, yeah, because Joseph
2: was going to divorce her quietly before he actually wedded her. So there yeah. was already an official aspect to saying, will you marry me? It's already yeah. official. Mm-hmm. Although they still... Do not consummate their marriage until the actual marital days. So there's still no fornication, still no adultery.
1: Yeah, yeah. So now, flash forward to today. Where does that officiant come into, right? And I'm not against. I've done like 30 weddings. Yeah, no, I, I I think the, I think the
2: officiant. I think I'd love to hear your perspective, and you can chime in. uh if I you think don't the efficient, know, I'm single. <laughs> you, you can still talk about marriage. Single and ready to mingle? You can still yeah. <laughs> You hear that, ladies?
4: Yeah. His address is what are you?
2: <laughs> Phone number nine two eight. He um, likes long walks on the beach. Absolutely. <laughs> In Yuma, we're always on the beach. We just never really get to the water. By so the lake. By the lake, sorry. We're always yeah. walking on the beach here. The this is the wrong. desert. <laughs> uh, uh, I think there's that. What's that? That donut that goes down the river? The, the, float, tube, the float. down. The float, the float down. Yeah. He would love to do a float down with yes. with the green water and the turds floating next to you. Brother. Yes, we yeah. have we have very dirty river. <laughs> Apparently, it was like the biggest, most agricultural or not uh, like uh, species, oh, yeah. wildlife diverse river in America. Yeah. At I think point. in America, back in the
1: day, it was the it was the thing. Man. It was the biggest. Oh, it, it was
2: like the widest. It it supported the most natural life or something. And then they dammed it, like oh, not yeah. dammed like to hell, but they dammed it. They stopped it up yeah. in several areas to make water go wherever they go. And it's now it's 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 just li- ugly. It's a little now.
0: bigger than a stream now. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. It's it's just messed up.
1: It's polluted. It's horrible. Well, because um, they can release water from the dam. Yeah, and they exactly. Can, they can charge for it. So that's how like all the guys that run the canals, that's how they get their water. They buy it, and it, and it's let free from the dams. And comes, that's amazing.
2: Mm-hmm. Like we found a way to make something that's just God just provides, yeah. and we're like, hey, let's charge for that. It's yeah. like thank goodness. you, God.
1: Now I'm gonna make well, a lot of money. Where is it? Is it is it in China?
2: <laughs> is it in China or something? They're selling like bottled or bagged air. air? Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, I have seen that. It's not gonna last long. I mean, you're basically in a polluted environment. That's heavily populated and you can buy this like one fresh breath of air. It's like what we do when we step out to like, you have to go to a store and buy that experience. Well, well, um, thank you. But as far as uh, officiating, um, I personally still think it should be a big thing. Uh Uh, As far as that goes I really don't think This should be One of those small things You kind of do In a court With just you and the judge And sign the papers You're married It's like
1: Well you can't Because it has to be A public thing Like it has to be Out in the public That's From the beginning It's always been Well I'm saying They're doing
2: it now right You go to the courthouse You sign the papers You're good Right. You you need one witness And you don't need To know them You could just pull them out From outside the courtroom But what I'm saying is I I still think it should be A big thing Because this is a profession This is a confession This is something Being done Amid your family, friends, relatives, people that you know, because there is this like reasonable accountability. There is this like unashamedness about this, just like your, your faith in Christ. It's sad that there's underground or uh, secret churches in persecuted nations, Uh hostile nations where they have to get baptized in secret because they can get literally killed the minute they get Mm -hmm. baptized. That's crazy. It's sad, but you know, it's fine because that's a circumstance, but in an environment where you're not being beheaded for getting married, the fact that there's so much secrecy, there's maybe so much like uh, what is it? Uh, you go Mysticism, and run away. No? You run away and get married. Well, oh, oh, oh. you elope. Elope, elope. elope like yeah. that. The concept of that, it's like this is a public profession. This yeah. is this is you stating to all the people that you should care about, or however many you can invite. Hey, she's mine. I'm hers. Um, ladies, don't come near me. Don't even be a temptation. Like I'm not here to mingle. I'm I'm hers. And men, get your eyes off. Don't play. She's mine. I'm hers. Like there is this. Like we are. We are together. We are each other's, mm-hmm. um, forever. And there's the promises. And there's the family coming and supporting. And whoever the preacher would be, um, I don't I don't know if they always handle it the way we do it now. Well, like well, give a let, sermon. Let me push it even like farther. Do, they do
1: that. Um, if I was to be. F- Fakely writing Reverend on the marriage license, their marriage would be annulled or, or would be fake. Would oh, okay. be false. so that's where I'm saying now. Well, because be, right now the legal
2: paperwork is what really counts, right? The yeah, paperwork—that's yeah, that's, what really makes the right. marriage marriage. And
1: that's the second part of my question: is say you're married before God, before the public.
2: Yeah, in the eyes of the system, the, you aren't.
1: But yet, you don't have that paperwork
2: yeah. that's well, I mean, handed into the clerk. If you, if you clerk, look at it, like, you see that. You see that with everything. Everything's being managed and handled by the government, the local government, yeah. the, the, the city, the state, the country, the nation. It's all. It's always being managed. There's really mm. no such thing as like, hey, I did this. It's like, hey, if there's no writing out there, if we don't approve it and stamp it, it's nothing. It's like... right. You see that with everything. I just think personally people should view marriage as a real commitment being Mm -hmm. made. And whatever legal things you need to do for everyone else to approve it, just do it. Um, But that doesn't mean like, hey, family, friends, grab your girlfriend, say, we're married, we choose it, and we're going to go sleep together. It's like, you you may have just sinned (laughs) against God because I don't think that's the right way to handle that either. Because God calls us to follow the ordinances of the local government, right. as long as they don't violate His strict and clear yeah. given teachings and commands.
1: And and I think that is the only thing that is kind of pushing for us to hand in these documents to the yeah. court is because obey the laws of the land. Well, uh, the laws are different, and the and the uh, taxes are different for married couples. Like it's a different thing. So that yeah. you're right, that's where it falls into.
3: What do you right. think? Well, I agree with you guys. I mean, I, I can I can definitely connect with what you guys are saying because my wife is from Mexico. Mm. So the cultural thing is, before you even have the religious ceremony, you go to the court first. You take your family with you, and you do it in front of a judge, and then you have the religious ceremony. Mm. Now, obviously, we didn't have the the um, the legal ceremony in Mexico. We did it here in Yuma, but still, it was. My father was her father, both pastors, and you know we had like a small little ceremony just with our immediate family, and that was it. But I wasn't like in my in my head. I was like, okay, this is the civil thing, uh-huh. but the, the engagement. I'm, you know, right. we're not yeah. going. We're not going to our new apartment together. Mm. Okay. You know, we're we're we waited that week, and then on the Saturday uh, was the religious uh, ceremony. We did the wedding at the church. Okay, <laughs> and that's where now I pick her up, put her in the car, and take her with me. Mm. You know. So, yes, definitely. I think it does tie into honoring the laws of the land. Because, um, you know, we talked about tax issues. You know, unfortunately, there are married people. They do their taxes illegally. That's I'm not trying to get into that. That's their decision to do it that way. But I'm saying, you know, and and when we don't do things right, when I'm not reporting something in my taxes, I'm not honoring God. I'm supposed to be honoring God with my life. So going back to the marriage aspect, um there was, there has always been some type of ceremony, mm-hmm. even in the pagan, um, in the biblical pagan times, yeah. they would do this whole ceremony, it would be like for weeks, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, you can kind um, of, you, you can see that in the example of the scriptures, you can go back to Mary and Joseph, yeah. there was these whole things going on, so I do believe that the uh, pastor plays a role, or the minister plays a role there, um, in, in a godly wedding, right. or e- even, even, I'll even go as far as saying, let's say if you have friends that are not even in Christ, uh-huh. but they call you as an ordained minister to go and, and to do the wedding. That's right as well, hmm. because once again, uh, marriage in itself doesn't belong to the state. It doesn't belong right. to the government. It belongs to God. It's a God institution. Mm-hmm. And so because of that fact, I think there always has to be uh, a person of God. Yeah. Um. A, a. I think
1: that's where it's at right there. Yeah the person of God. So where I would push back would be on, does he have to be a pastor? You know what I mean? Can okay. he be a solid Christian dude? I,
2: like, Yeah, I I personally, uh, I don't think he has to be a pastor. Really? If you have a pastor and you're under his teaching and you love him, you trust him, and that seems to be the most reasonable person you would ask. Uh, I know some people, I went to a recent wedding where I got that cross, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they had they had... Um, one of, one of the assistant pastors hmm. who they more closely connected to than the head pastor, even though they were amicable with all of them. Right. The assistant pastor was like their mentor, and they had what was it even a pastor? I think I think it might have just been an ordained minister that they asked because they had a more oh, more uh discipleship kind of relationship. Right. So like they wanted that brother to marry them officially, and and they did at the church. Um, I had a friend ask me. Uh, if I would marry them, and I started looking up like what is the legal thing, and uh, I was told that Well there is I don't... a
1: legal thing that's what the issue yeah, is here yeah. that's what the problem is and that's here.
2: why so I told them uh, well I, I talked to my wife about it and I'd be able to have them do the paperwork do that because I wouldn't I didn't want to do the whole go online and ordain myself. Because I don't want to
1: take that upon Through myself. the Church of Alaska uh, yeah. or something? Yeah, I don't. Like, people do that. Oh, and
2: I know, I mean, I know I know brothers that have just gone out and got their online ministry, ministry degree.
3: You can also pay $600 and become an apostle.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Through, uh, wow. yeah, you can, you can. <laughs> but you got to send, like, uh, what is it? <laughs> Anyways. But uh, they have that. It's scary. Um, Dude, you should I write that
1: down to. on the list is uh, <laughs> modern day ap- apostles we should uh, we, talk about that. We'll there we h- go we'll yeah, hit there we that. go that's a topic
2: that's another for way. sure what uh what I was not willing to do is do that quick self um uh, yeah. self certification thing cuz I physically can I know there's some really quick ones I'm like you know what uh and I even in my heart I was able to do that if it's just for this wedding and I wouldn't walk around saying hey I'm an ordained like I'll be like hey I'm doing this for legal purposes I am officially legally going to take this, uh, get this ordination legally uh, so that I can just officiate the wedding, but I'm not going to walk around calling myself something now. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I had to wrestle through that too. Um, But I was willing for them to go and get the legal stuff done, have that signed already. And either that day or the day before, and then I'd be there at the wedding presenting them, uh, encouraging, edifying. Uh, So so I'd be willing to do that, but because there is that legal aspect and ordination that's necessary through the state, yeah. that would leave some people maybe to make that decision to actually go and quickly ordain themselves. And I, I see that as an, personally, I see that as an issue. I see that as an issue for two reasons. One, I don't think you should do it yourself. You shouldn't ordain yourself. I think it's something no. that's that's yeah. done through relationship. It's not even done through online. Mm. Two, I know someone that has online ordained themselves and they're not walking as a minister. They're not walking as an example or testimony, to, testimony of God they, I think, they're a believer, right? I just don't see Christ flowing from their life. Well, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm just saying I don't see them in ministering, yeah. walking, and I'm like, they, they got the thing, and they are a minister. I don't see that as their life. I don't yeah. see it. So I'm like,
1: I, I really uh, take caution with even churches that, that, um, that create pastors, because uh, a pastor historically and I, I feel biblically is only somebody that the gathered body says, you're the shepherd. Like, that's only it. So I I would even push back on somebody coming out of seminary, you know, like, okay, now I'm a pastor. Like, well, you might be a minister. You might be, you know, a a leader even. But to be a pastor, you you have to be uh, brought up through the sheep to Mm -hmm. be a pastor you know I, so i i look i look at it that way if you don't have a church calling you pastor then you're not you're a minister you know you're a you're a sharing the gospel you're leading people even but if you don't have a church that's calling you pastor that's where it's the that's where it comes down to the point right?
2: I, I think it's because there's there are churches where for some reason the pastor leaves or goes somewhere or dies mm-hmm. and they don't in their own eyes they don't have someone in their midst that is pastor pastor material like ready to shepherd and that's when they start it (laughs) it is i think i think pastors should always be kind of preparing the next having ministers that they're like pastors life i can't imagine it i just know just through a little bit of the discipleship that i do and the personal relationships and dealing with pastors yeah i mean I, i i've had multiple pastors on these podcasts and i and i deal with them and i know where they're at and i know the responsibility and weight on their shoulders like yeah respectively like just from viewing and talking it's A lot of work, even to prepare your heart and know that every day, every day you wake up, you have people that do rely on you. Oh, yeah, and you are required through your com- commitment to God and through the calling on your heart to be ready for, for them, give food to them, like prepare your heart so you'd be a fresh abundance of God's mm-hmm. word and His supply for their needs and for your own needs, your own family. That's yeah. I don't know. Sunday that Sunday
1: preaching is just a little tiny, yeah. Some mm-hmm.
2: people think portion it's Sunday, of what, it's like yeah. everything yeah. leading up to Sunday. That's wild. So it's sad to, to, to have the need for a pastor that can't already be trusted upon from your own congregation when your pastor leaves, dies, or whatever Mm -hmm. happens. And for that reason, I know that there is providence that God does bring about through education, through all that, and, and just sends in a pastor Mm -hmm. who might be brand new in that role and just appoint them as pastor. But I also know that Thankfully there are some wise ways of handling that Like I've, I've seen how there's an interview There's there's He mm-hmm. meets a congregation They give him yep. an interim period Like hey See how you click With your people Because yep. you will now be the one They expect to hear When you give the word I think it's really wise If you bring in a pastor out of nowhere Who doesn't know And never knew them mm. To see like Hey give him a period before you say This is now your pastor It's like hey This is This is uh, Minister this Whatever or Whatever he has we're, we're, we're going to see if he might be the next shepherd that God is appointing over us. Let's, let's meet him. Let, let him meet you. And let's see how this clicks. That seems like a reasonable way. If you have that opportunity, yeah. I think sometimes people just say, give us a pastor, the next fresh pastor from the seminary. And they just jump in and they're like, "You're pastor, that's it. Here's your duties. It's mm. like, that seems a little bit forced. It could work and God could work through that. And he works through many things. I just, I just see that it is something that we should be doing as, as churches, Raising up the next generation and really keeping our eye on who might God be calling based on their attitude, their their inclination towards the gospel. That's their the discipleship own discipleship. Yeah, let's see how that's going. Yeah. Discipleship is incredibly important. I mean, we got to do a whole series on that. Mm. Like, what is discipleship from a minister, pastors, uh, a layperson's perspective? Like, what is their duty and responsibility to be discipled and to disciple? There's so much that we can cover in that. Yeah.
1: Definitely, and I think that you know. I don't mean to sound like harsh on that, you know. I, I think that anybody who has the like like you, I can I can I feel like I'm, I'm prophesying over you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that really. Uh, all right, <laughs> but I, I do see it in you, like the pastor in you, like I do mm-hmm. see that in you, and uh, I don't know if it's just maybe the Holy Spirit, you know, that we we all have together, mm-hmm. but um, like I think that. If you have the calling to be a pastor, you will be a pastor. Like, there is not a way around it. Yeah. I'm just kind of trying to differentiate preacher, minister, yeah, pastor. And I'm always... different.
2: I was talking different. to my pastor recently about this. I was like, I I, I, I feel, or I sense that I'm called into a role of shepherding. Mm. I'm terrified at the thought of that because I don't know if that's it. Because dare I think of pastor yeah. if it's just... Minister, it's like I don't want a title. Right. I, I I was in a place in the in the assembly where you wouldn't have the responsibility. You wouldn't be entrusted to lead a Bible study. You wouldn't be entrusted to have all the youth over at your house after church, and like you wouldn't be given that permission. Uh, if you were not ministering, if you were not a deacon, if you were not in leadership. So I ran for leadership because I wanted so badly to talk to this youth. Like I just had this in my heart, like I want these youth. I want to talk to them. I want to see how they're doing. I want to see what are they on in their phone? What are they looking at? How are they talking? What's their interest? Like I I want to just pour into them. And I, I ran for the roles because I wanted that. But I also know that running for the roles never felt right. It's like, I don't like the idea of that's what I need to do this but I, I do realize there's a call for me to reach out and I, I was talking to my pastor like um, what if, what if what if I am called into pastorship how do I know it's pastor and not minister so I don't reach further than I should he's like well well you have to kind of uh, pray and talk and see how God is leading and, and I'll be praying about that to see if that's something God is leading um, because it's not something you take upon yourself I'm like I know I'm, well, yeah, I'm yeah. terrified of the thought of that yeah. like responsibility for others lives yeah. i mean right. not not 100 responsible as if i make their decisions but be ready be there yeah. it's like that's that's an incredible role be yeah. broken for your
1: people yeah like, yeah.
2: like what they're going that's a through and that's a burden unlike i yeah. think unlike any other burden yeah. and ministers carry those as well i know a fellow minister he's he's a blessing to me and the way he carries himself the way he's grinding the way he's studying the way he's going in this man's ready to give faithful answers and ready to minister and lead i don't i don't know if he's ready for, or considering pastorate, but, but he's definitely in the role yeah. of minister. Yeah. But, but because that's something I've thought about.
1: Again, on top of that, uh, the Bible says that we will be held accountable for those who we lead. Yeah. So that's a Absolutely. heavy, another heavy, like top, uh, you know, burden on that is Absolutely. that is true. Like God's going to hold us accountable for uh, all of us guys, except for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're going to be held accountable for our wives. Our children. One, day, one day, one day. One day you will day. be. One day you will be. we are all supporting yeah. And five kids. <laughs> yeah. Five kids. <laughs> More kids than all of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's but, like, I just want a wife. <laughs> yeah, just, just a wife. Uh, but we'll be held accountable first for our families, yeah. and then second for those who we've led. And there's,
2: there's, you know, we have all of the credentials that God gives for ministers and leaders, uh, people that aspire to the role of bishop or pastor, shepherd, I mean, there's so many things that just automatically should disqualify us. Mm. Like if we're if we're uh, if we don't have our temper under control, that doesn't mean you can't get mad. It means you can't mm-hmm. flip tables out of anger whenever you get mad, and you can't relate to Jesus' example of a flipping table because that wasn't that wasn't <laughs> right. that wasn't what we're talking about. He didn't sin, yeah. and he's he's the, probably the only person in history that has flipped a table while angry and yet was not e- <laughs> able mm-hmm. to be yeah. said like, "Hey, in in your anger, do not sin." Like, right. G- yeah. like actually, he didn't sin. So it's like, wow. How do you flip a table in anger and whip people and animals? How do you uh, animals, how do you do that without sinning? It's like, there's, there's no one in the world that can hold their spirit and mind and heart in, in such a grip, except for Christ that can actually show his anger at the, 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 the desecration of the temple in such a pronounced way. And yet, not on a hint of it, not on a thought of it, not on an inclination, not on a single action, actually sin against God. That's, we should just like realize like, whoa, hold on, hold on we can't do that at all without sinning. Like right. we will sin out of anger. Even was, if
1: we try to act like it's righteous. Yeah. It's, or even if it's a little bit righteous, even if a, we, do
2: it, we fail so bad. Even, <laughs> even if we do it like Monk, you guys ever see the TV show Monk? He had he had to like oh, play yeah. an angry role and he had to get on stage and he had to like fill in a role where the guy flips the table, but because he's so like OCD, uh-huh. he can't he flip can't and make totally. a mess. He was like, ah, oh, took the table and gently turned it. Ah, yeah. uh, <laughs> Even if that's how we handle it, yeah. <laughs> <it's> still <wrong. laughs> we're yeah. still gonna sin. But that's that's definitely something. Like I, I've I've seen LJ for oh, ten years, dude. I've known you for ten years. 10 years yeah. Um, in in April, ten years in April. I've I've seen the ministry. I've seen uh, the voice of of his dad passing through in his own discipleship and his own ministry. Like I've there's been times I'd I'd call Pastor and LJ about the same question cuz I just reached out to all the heads that I could to be like okay pastor like what do I do this and then I hear LJ what do I do it same tone same kind of advice and i would just always be like to myself like man he sounds just like pastor like he's really just giving the same loving gentle insightful advice like the same style i was like man like yeah i could see him as pastor so i've always seen that and i don't know how god's going to do it or when but i know god is going i certain i have a certainty and let that be either Praised or shown to be false, like I have a certainty that you're gonna have a pastorate. I don't know how or when, and but we Whenever just know, huh?
3: Whenever God wants. Whenever watch. God
2: wants, and He's preparing all of us. uh I don't know where I'm gonna be. I don't know where all. Of, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I get it. I'm single. Well, I, gonna, <laughs> I get it. Again, ladies, you know, Paul was minute, <laughs> minute,
3: okay, we're, we're gonna have to add like the like those informational <laughs> with phone number, at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs>
2: If this was live, you'd be getting texts.
3: <laughs> yeah. We need his Facebook page. What else you have? Just,
2: just uh, the, the the five questions you have to ask to see if you can get in. You know how on a Facebook group you have to answer a few oh, questions. Yeah. The yeah. five questions, so you can actually text this person. Is, uh, is it by grace through faith alone? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's definitely, I, I certainly see that. And I think the, I, I see that the spirit leads us to desire or think or consider something. So that mm-hmm. very well could be just uh, more confirmation, more certainty that uh, you, I, we have, that uh, some of us are heading for the pastorship. And that's why studying and knowing the depths and the truths of scripture and being able to actually to argue the point tactfully
1: yeah. and
2: necessarily, and knowing which hill to die on and which one to just let it slide that's so important i think this could actually be a blessing for all of us to learn yeah. and kind of navigate those as well
1: well you know uh, from experience you know me starting this church i uh i had an idea in my head about what it would look like right and and how the people yeah. would be and how it would look and nope sorry not at all god's bringing all sorts of different kind of christians to to us it's a the vast you know array of, of christendom you know charismatics i've got reform guys i've got everybody in between you know what i mean yeah. and so now i'm like uh, i feel god has, has said okay so now these are your people how are you going to lead them you know there's going to be different tactics and different advice and different ways of handling each individual person And I I have to be able to do that. I have to be able to care for them. Now it could come down to where, maybe I have to be strong with some, you know, and I have to have to discipline even like in in a way the church discipline thing, or you know it could be the opposite to where it's like I just encourage them and they just go for it. You know what I mean? So it's it's such a it's such a mixed bag, that I think that's where the pastor comes in to be. Well, how do I effectively lead all these different types, right? Because it's not going to be that. Like I, I messaged a guy uh, recently because in my parents' hometown, he just started a reformed church, okay. reform church, this Douglas Reformed Church, and uh, so I messaged him and I said, "Man, I'm soupful. I'm soupful. Yeah. I, I am full of soup. But, <laughs> uh, I'm super grateful <laughs> that you've started a church in my in my parents' hometown. You know, like and, and I still got family there and." Uh, I just wanted to encourage him uh, you know about this about this venture but I guarantee even him in a town that's mostly Roman Catholic I guarantee his church doesn't look like he thought it would be either. Mm. Oh yeah. So for the for the pastor this is like how are we leading? And you know what I've seen a theme from what all we've talked about today right we talked about the false beliefs and how they it always comes back to the i or the me not not to the scriptures right and then we we talked about the pastor thing and we talked about the officiant in the marriage so you know i heard a pastor one time say that the ground is level at the foot of the cross and i love that because we want to in, in all our christian traditions we want to have some sort of hierarchy okay i'm the guy or he's the guy Right, like we we, even if we are not the person, we're trying to put somebody else up on a, on a on a small pedestal, yeah. right? Not on a god-sized pedestal, but on a small one. Yeah. And I say, man, like, I think that the ground is actually level. Yeah. I think the anointed, are all of us, mm. and that mm-hmm. none are more anointed than another. Exactly. You know, like, uh, I think that's what I've heard from today. Like, I've
3: I've got that from today. And I, I definitely agree because, um, you know the the only differences that there are is, I guess the responsibility. So like in mm-hmm. your case, you're the pastor, but if we have that mentality that we're all the same, um, it's a it's a benefit and it's humbling. Yeah. Uh, you know me being in, in a in that type of environment cause being a pastor's kid, you know um, you get people that oh it's this is the pastor. And and from that viewpoint, I appreciated it because you know honor my parents and everything, uh-huh. and I've always I've, I've always enjoyed that. I've always you know liked that because you you want to be appreciated, oh, yeah. especially as a pastor. Uh, the things that you have to go through, it's a mm-hmm. different life. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of it's a big behind the scenes life um, uh, of all the things that God's doing in you. But when you have the mentality that we're all the same, it's just that God gave me the grace, you know, or in Jeremy in this case. To be a pastor, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's you have a a surmountable amount of responsibility on you, but you view everybody the same. Mm -hmm. And what that does is that helps you to view somebody else as if you view yourself. Because really, at the end of the day, that's how we view, we should view people when we're preaching the gospel. Just as they are, you know, they haven't been renewed by Christ. We once, at one point, were not renewed by Christ, we were in the same, and we still, deal with this body we still deal with sin uh our thoughts our minds we're not in that life anymore but i do I completely agree with that saying that we're all at the foot of the cross mm-hmm. and it's just the, it's just the grace uh and the gifts that god has given us and the callings that belong to different people but we're all the same yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely and that's i mean that's the gospel we're all mm-hmm. we're all the same yeah. you know there's no black there's no white there's no mexican you know there's rich poor you're all the same in christ And, and that's the wonderful thing too it's like Uh, I I have often told Andrew, it's like, it's called the milk and meat podcast. And Uh oftentimes I feel like I'm the milk and he's the meat, you know, (laughs) but it's like the God does work in such a wonderful way where he, he makes it for everybody. It's chewable for everybody, for those that need the milk, they'll have the Mm -hmm. milk for those that, that can chew on the meat will chew on the meat of the scripture. And it's just, it's, it's wonderful. It's all done by God. and, And like, just to be able to see that and understand that is it's such a privilege and I, I'm very grateful I'm grateful to have all of you and in mm-hmm. this u- upcoming year, you know, whoever else decides to join. Yeah. I know we have a couple of friends that we would like to see on the podcast. One of them says he's not ready, but I think mm. he is. And if he's listening, I hope he knows <laughs> who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely it's 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 just it's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful year, a wonderful experience to to be a part of this and to to just tackle some of the, the difficult subjects. And I think more of that needs to happen, more discuss, discussions and and with these discussions and with these challenges that we just point it all out yeah. in the scripture, you know?
1: You know, for the podcast, I heard a preacher one time say, I don't want to be answering the questions that nobody's asking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think I think go. how you guys are putting that list together, that's great. Mm. Because you're, you're kind of trying to take into account, like, what are people... Like, what is yeah. those questions? Yeah,
2: know? I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's wise for. I mean, we, we. I spent seven years where many, many people were praised to come to the pulpit and say, "Here's a new revelation." Yeah, that mentality, and that's wrong. That's unbiblical, and it's disappointing that that's what people would strive for. They would strive for, um, instead of studying the depth and the history and the context of a certain text, they would they would spend. Um, their time in prayer hoping to get a verse or a thought and they would make a whole sermon based off that based on how strong that prayer might have felt Mm -hmm. that is unbiblical unless god takes your bible out of your hand and and drops you to your knees by his power and keeps you there and says don't prepare just pray unless that happens which biblically it shouldn't because the bible never teaches us to stay away from the scriptures or to be unaware of them uh, unless that would happen, you have no reason or even right, I don't want to say that's a strong word, but we have no right to say, I don't need to prepare this way. I'm going to prepare on my knees. It's like your your prayer will come from your study and knowledge of God's mm. word. And that's what I've understood. A lot of people, yeah. they have very shallow or maybe repetitive or self-centered or kind of um, kind of ideal perspectives on what prayer should be or should have in it but they don't have content in their prayer. It's not mm-hmm. biblical content. We're, we're not called to pray what we really want and feel like we really, really want it and hope that we can Christianize the way it sounds mm-hmm. so that God might want to give it to us. Like, God, give me a better paycheck and I'll give to more. It's like, we, is that really what we're asking for? Like, is that actually what in our, because he knows the hearts. He knows that we might just want something else. It's like, I'm, I'm not afraid to say, God, I, I want to buy that thing. It will help me to save and manage my money so that I can set it apart reasonably, so that I can get that one thing, whatever it might be—an investment or a tool or something. Um, so what what I've understood is that there there are there are so many people. I love when I see those posts and they'll say like, you know, the sheep are starving because we're feeding the goats. And the, the sheep are considered God's flock, and the goats are those stubborn animals that aren't listening or considering or caring about God's word. And there's the goats are the people that don't believe or they want to come and change what Christianity is. And it's like, that's the perspective a lot of people have. You'll have a church full of various people. You have people that are true believers and false believers. And then you have people within those groups, like the true believers that don't know they're true believers because they haven't reached some sort of level yet. And then you have the true believers that aren't growing their sanctification because they're full of themselves, so they're proud. Then you have the false believers that know they're false and they're just showing off to mom and dad or whatever, mm. the girlfriend. Then you have the false believers that don't know that they're false believers because they're, they're, they're filling a mold. And they're like look, I, I guess I have heaven. And then you have the false believers that are actually, dis, uh, uh, actually uh, they know they're not saved and they're, they're pretending to be saved and they're living it out. So it's like you have so many different shades, but there's two real um, groups, believers or non-believers. Mm-hmm. And when you're a believer, you're a believer forever, a real believer. Mm-hmm. When you're not a believer, you still have that opportunity to become a faithful believer. But to keep the larger crowds, which usually is unbelievers, Usually, the larger crowd in any audience will be that of unbelievers, um, unless it's like a pastor's, what is it, like, themed thing where all the pastors come and learn and train together, like the G3 conferences. But usually, uh, what what happens in a lot of congregations, not many, not most, I'll just say a lot, and some of the popular ones, uh, the, the wrong popular ones, is they will tend to the goats, right. and they'll neglect the sheep. So they'll, they won't preach the word. They'll preach the popular topic of the day. Mm. And they'll do it in a really receptible or receivable manner. And they'll dress themselves and they'll dress their stage in such a way that it is receptive <laughs> by those that really come for all of the external. They come for what seems, sounds, and feels good. But a Christian could come to a sermon that's being preached by an old person that doesn't really have much inflection in his voice, and the the sound, the light is bright, and there's like six people on us. But a Christian can come and hear that and be overwhelmed with the word of God. Yeah. So we can't mismanage that. There is a reasonability, uh, a reasonableness about kind of taking care of the aesthetics. You know, mm-hmm. make it look neat. You know, it's 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 a place where you worship God. Let it be yeah. clean. taken care of. But that's not the ultimate focus. That's not the greater focus. And with the, the Milk and the Meat podcast, we, we wanted to make sure that the milk is not like the shallow, cheap stuff and the meat is like the better stuff. The milk is like the basic and the, the meat is the deeper aspects, the more difficult. Like the meat was how Melchizedek is really in line with what Christ was foreshadowing and, and, and all that. Like Christ is following mm-hmm. in, that, in that priesthood and that's the meat that the hebrews were not able to manage and they weren't able to digest it because they were so stuck on the basics the foundational the milk they were they were so the milk and the meat is not about like less important more important it's about basic fundamental and then let's get into the meat of it let's get into the heart of it let's get to the deeper stuff some pastors, uh, for some reason, I guess they they really want to keep the crowd, which could be a sincere desire. I want people to be here, absolutely. I want unbelievers, believers, I want satanists, I want everyone to come and hear. But to keep them, they have to adjust the way they say things. So they might not cover some topics. They might not talk about homosexuality, uh, in a, in a in a biblically right way, as in it's condemned, such as all fornication outside of a man to woman uh anatomically male and female marriage all things are condemned all sexual acts outside of that are condemned but they won't talk about homosexuality they won't talk about uh gender they won't talk about gender roles they won't talk about uh tithing or sacrificial living they won't talk about worldliness they won't talk about holiness but they'll talk about um kind of comfort or good living or socially acceptable things and a healthy marriage and money managing skills. And they'll talk about all this stuff that should be the fruit of and a very secondary tertiary issue as far as Christianity goes, because Christianity is about us coming to the cross of Christ because of our depravity. We need Christ and we have nothing to afford to offer saying this is good enough. We absolutely need to die at the foot of the cross to be metaphorically, spiritually, and truly brought into this new Mm -hmm. life um so when when we feed the crumbs to people and we expect them to kind of tolerate we feed the crumbs of god's word and then we fill a bunch of social agendas from the altar from the pulpit we're, we're we're keeping goats and they like it because mm-hmm. this is what they get from any social group but the actual people that are really saved they're they're empty they're void they don't get the food so they end up doctrinally messed up empty void unsatisfied then they end up maybe trying to out of their own sin to try to find some sort of satisfaction and then they maybe get caught up in all sorts of things and maybe even stumble into sin and it's not all the pastor's fault it's their fault too but the pastor is responsible the shepherd the preacher the minister is responsible for providing the food and breaking it down Mm -hmm. so instead of giving our children instead of giving all the adults at the table gerber because the baby can't handle anything but gerber give them all steak And necessarily cut the pieces smaller and smaller based on the age and the capability of the child. Don't give them all Gerber because that's the most basic of the audience. Mm. Give them the heavy stuff and chop it up as appropriate. So the baby will get super chopped up steak, be able to chew it and all that stuff. And the toddlers will get a little bit bigger pieces and then the adults will get full on steak. They'll cut it themselves. So we should be teaching doctrine in that way. We should be presenting the true word of God. Give it all and chop it up and break it down as God leads you, as you prepare to, as you understand to, as necessarily. And 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 let that be the way we preach the word. Let us not give crumbs and say, you know, I could do all things through Christ. You can do this. It's like that's not mm. it. It's it's not about your race and your video game or your relationship. It's about you being able to serve God within all the circumstances that he puts you, you being able to maintain a Christian character and run in the Christian graces, no matter what you have, more or less. It is always about being fruitful for God in the middle of your circumstance. It is not about, I feel bad, but I can do all things through Christ, so I can feel good. Mm. Not about that. So we have to teach the word correctly and have that perspective that people need the meat no matter what, but they also need it chopped up. But they don't need to be given baby food. Right. So it's like, that's that's what I've been thinking considering like how, yeah. how are we how are we presenting the Word of God and how serious are we about that aspect of it?
1: Well there's two biblical against. there's the road to Emmaus, right where Jesus through scriptures shows mm-hmm. the, the, the two guys you know the whole thing. and then there's also the Ethi- Ethiopian eunuch yeah how will i know if nobody teaches me yeah nobody explains it to me like i think yeah you're right completely we have to be able to i would say this i would say we have to be able to uh cook and cut that steak so that they'll be able to eat it right so take a big topic a big doctrine how can we make that understandable for you know, yeah. for somebody who's not you know totally in this every day like like we are, you know, like yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, when are you going to open up your church, LJ? Jeez, <laughs> oh, <laughs>
3: you need to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I was going to say though is that, um, you know, going back to the doctrinal, it is very important because the past two years, past two years, even though we've seen it before, but the past two years, especially twenty twenty, um that's what happened. Biblical topics or preachings were about race, racism, mm-hmm. mm. uh, the pandemic, um, is the mark of the beast, the vaccine. Right, Like, it was an opportunity for the true gospel to be preached. But everybody else was worrying about the cultural situation, the election. Everybody was worried about, you know, is this person uh, a savior? Is this it was it was all the wrong things and i and and un, unfortunately next year's going to be the same thing probably so. i mean the, the scripture is very true and we're going to go from bad to worse and that's the thing you know we're not we're not bringing Christ in the times are going to get just worse worse and worse and worse so you know the importance of what you guys just talked about going into the scripture it, at the end of the day it's something very basic but it's not very, it's not followed because, you know, how many movements today, and we can count, we, there's countless, but, you know, I'm just kind of stating it rhetorically, how many movements are there that are more worried about uh, your well-being mm. in this life mm. as opposed to... Live
1: your best life now.
3: That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> this is my Bible. <laughs> I was at nice. what John MacArthur said. He's like, if this is your best life yeah. now, and yeah. he's telling you the truth. <laughs> right? yeah. You know, so... Uh and that's that's I guess the burden um, and, and I always go back to my experience. i don't I don't like to be that type of person that says, "Well, my experience led me here, but there are some circumstances where God permits your experiences to kind of jolt you, to wake you up. And I think that everything that I've been through and and getting to the point in my life is like, well, you know what i I'm a minister and a minister is supposed to follow the word of God completely. Mm-hmm. I I begin to see these differences in my life. I'm like, this is not, this is not correlating. It's not, there's something wrong. So when we really understand that this is what we're supposed to be following, I think that's what we can use to preach. We preach the just true gospel. Um, You know, I had an opportunity to to talk to somebody yesterday and uh, being in this new step of faith and, and with actual understanding, more understanding where I'm at now, It was very different to evangelize. I was so used to like what Aldo was saying. You know, there was a it's like it's like if I became a businessman beforehand. You know, there was some Jesus in it, but then okay, now I have to go back to the business that I associate with. And now, you know, the understanding is it's just scripture. It's just spreading the seed. I actually know and understand what spreading the seed is. It's literally just spreading the seed. Um, and God is the one that literally does the work. I don't have to have some type of sign at the end that this person understood or this person got it. It's like I was watching, and I watch them over and over again um, American Gospel, the, first, oh, the yeah. first one. The pastor was like, I used to think that my job was telling people how to live. He's like, no, it was just preaching the gospel and that's it. You know, and, and that's, if we really, if we really understand how profound the gospel it is. Is excuse me, it will touch on every aspect of our lives. We're talking about, you know, um, we can't preach standards or uh, certain doctrines to people, and that's true, uh, because they need to hear the gospel, and and God Mm -hmm. needs to save them, but even at that, the gospel is even, is so full, it's so profound, it'll touch on everything else, and that's why the Apostle Paul is such a great um, uh, speaker, Uh, and, and, you know, 13 epistles, I mean, that's that's not just anything yeah. but how we see how profound the gospel really is and how everything's connected to Christ. So going back to what you're saying, yes, the doctrine is so important because if not, um, you know we're going to get back to things that really are important in our in our hum- human lives and and you know like for example, go back to racism, that shouldn't be in us because the fruit of the spirit should right. show. so, so you, know, you know what I'm saying? Those things that are incorrect in culture, well, we shouldn't practice them because we are already called of God. Uh, the Holy Spirit should be in us and we shouldn't practice those things even though we fail. And that's why I think preaching of the gospel is so uh, the doctrine and the gospel is so important so that way people can see and really realize just like we experienced it, hey, there is something wrong. there's a difference that, and that's what the, doc, the doctrine does. It brings out the difference.
1: I've never been a big fan of uh, David Platt or, or Mark Matt Chandler, and like both those guys have really hit that social gospel thing. Yeah, yeah. you know it's like, and, yeah. and Platt's church is like imploding right now because of where it was. I I, I
2: remember when David Platt kind of blew up. I don't remember it was like one or two sermons uh, when around the time when you came out with the book Radical, hmm. and I enjoyed it. It, it does talk about complete surrender to God. Yeah. So he has, he and has he, a he's great, a Bible teacher. Yeah. Like, he's, he, he was, uh, he's faithful in the word of God. But what happened with the social uh, gospel uh, this last two years is it affected a lot of people and they, out of their unwillingness to kind of uh, make out of their unwillingness to hurt feelings, they, they became susceptible in, in some areas in the gospel. So I wouldn't say that I, I, I can't, I mean, I could look up statements from a lot of people, but uh, I well, think that it just that goes David, back to what LJ was saying. Yeah, like, I think David, it's Clatton. the gospel, it's the Bible, but then he throws on that. Yeah. So there's some teachers that have done that. They've kind of also included some of those social agendas. Mm-hmm. And once that happens, like I, I can listen to it, but honestly, I really just want, I just want this word. I want to understand what social agendas are. They're, they're, they're social agendas. They're, yeah, are terrestrial agendas, yeah, and
0: yeah. I um, read a quote earlier today that said, "We can't be the salt of this world if we're too busy sugarcoating it." Yeah, the gospel,
1: go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very true. Mm-hmm.
0: Who was that? I don't remember. <laughs> it was a quote, though. <laughs> so I
2: cannot, I cannot put the quote because I don't know who it was. Yeah. I'll put anonymous. Unknown. A, <laughs> a Christian.
3: <laughs>
0: a Christian.
3: Hey, Chris. Milk and meat podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh,
2: all right. Anyone final words, hopes for this next year, ideas, thoughts before uh, we start closing out?
0: Uh yeah. I just first off thank God for again this opportunity, this platform to be able to, to give the message to anybody that'll listen. And uh and yeah, next year I hope to to definitely grow in, in knowledge and grow in faith, uh, to be better at explaining and and presenting the word of God and, and hopefully we can tackle some of those uh, topics we didn't tackle yeah. this past year or those tack- or those uh, topics where we only just touched on and you know we can expand on it a little bit more and hopefully you know with the people in our lives that those that are raising questions to me and and kind of talking to me about stuff that you know I would be able to to bring up the discussion here and, and, and cause they listen, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I just hope, you know, that for next year, uh, we all grow and that we all just continue this with all the upcoming challenges and with all the maybe pushback or, or any kind of hindrance that might come our way, but, you know, through the g- grace of God and, and, and through his will, you know, we'll, we'll be able to, to tackle any, Mm-hmm. Any subject, any situation.
3: Yeah, whatever comes up. Yeah. LJ, anything? Um, Well, I'm definitely grateful, Um, you know, that I've been able to join you guys. And I'm <clears throat> grateful for this year. Um, I know we were talking about it, and Jeremy was like, can we praise God that this year's almost yeah. over? <laughs> you know, and I agree with that, you know, because there, even though we know that the year um, per se is, is just a humanistic way that we, yeah. you know, go from one year to another, but I'm I am very grateful for this year. Um, a lot of the things that I went through, some of the big changes that I had mm. to, that came to my life. Um, you know, after going through certain things for so many years, um, it, it's it's been it's it's been very very good for me. I mean, you know, with any changes, you're gonna you go through a lot of pushback, a lot of challenges. But for me, I always go back to um, you know, if I'm serving Christ, it's all worth it. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have the truth of God. I'd rather have the Word of God than trying to stay and trying to figure things out on my own. You know, this year really taught me what it is to work in your own flesh and work in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I was able to to just go through that. Uh, I appreciate God for molding me, breaking me, making me, because I think through the process that I went through. Um, any decision that you make that's that serious, if you make it that quick, it, it could be from God. It can. I'm not saying it can, not but for me, my own personal life, I appreciate everything that I went through because I think God did have to mold me and break me mm. and make me um, the way that I thought, the things that I had in my heart, the way that I saw things, every single aspect. And so now that I'm here on this side, um, you know, I'm I'm very grateful for 2021 and how God gave me the courage. To make that step and mm. go forward, so I'm really excited about this coming year. Um, you know, I'm not too really worried about the cultural agendas, the governmental agendas. You know, I've I think we've all spoken with people that are very, um, uh, w- w- what is the word where you have? Uh, I can't remember the word in my mind right now, but people make things up or they believe something's going to happen, or okay, you um, know, you know, what I'm talking it's about not, it's not
2: propaganda,
3: is it? No, no, it's not propaganda, but it's it's. Pan. I know. What you, I conspiracy think maybe, there we go. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of conspiracy theories, but yeah. you know, obviously, like I said earlier, the gospel, the word of God, it covers everything. We know something is supposed to happen, and regardless whether Jesus Christ comes during our lifetime or not, it doesn't. That shouldn't be our worry. Um, in in the way of, of fearful, you know, am I gonna make it? No, yeah. we already have our faith in Christ. We already in we are already in Christ, and so you know I, now I understand how how John can say, "Lord, come." Mm-hmm. You know, before you're thinking, "Oh my gosh," like am I, am I ready? You know, it's not about me and my own work and my own strength. It's about mm-hmm. just me putting my faith in Christ and knowing that I have to walk in His ways. And you know, now looking forward to that, I'm really excited for this coming year. To join you guys more, um, you know, get to the difficult topics, and even even face uh, some of the pushback. Because I think that there's a blessing in the pushback as well, because it might be an opportunity um, to, to talk to somebody, and maybe God will grant that grace for their eyes to be opened, the door to become Amen. open. Amen. Yeah. So that, that's that's really how I view this year, um, you know, and, and how I view this, this coming year.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That's good. Oh, let me tell, this, tell a story.
1: Uh, we kinda talked about how the grounds level at the foot of the cross. We we talked about these false beliefs and these false doctrines where it's man-centered and it comes up to a somebody's put on the pedestal, right? We even talked about the marriage stuff and how we've just had a habit and tradition we view like this officiant, this pastor, this preacher, reverend that's get you know So to to go along with that theme. The power, what I believe in next, this is, this goes for any year. So if we're looking at last year, it's okay, but, because it goes for any year, the power is in the Word of God. Complete and total power, right? Not in the person who's wielding it. So, um, I, I, I always look at it like this, because I, I worry about not giving a good message. I do that. I worry about that a lot. I worry about that I'm going to fail. I worry about I'm going to say something wrong. I worry about I'm not going to be exciting. I worry about all sorts of stuff, right? But then I remember this story that I heard of this communist country, right? I can't remember which one it was. But this in this communist country, there was a, an army that was going around that it was ravaging villages and, and totally capture, capturing people, right, and and, uh, and taking them hostage. Well, there's this this uh, traveling uh, communist army had, had gone through this village that had a church, right, and it, they ransacked the village, burned the huts, uh, destroyed the church, and took all of the Bibles, right, and they took the Bibles, and not only did they take Bibles and other, you know, valuable goods, but they were taken slaves as well, right? So they took uh, a, a number of people, but this one man was un- in slavery to them, and his job was to clean up the toilet paper, right? As they're out in the jungle, as they're out in, in, in the wilderness, they would use the bathroom and they would wipe with the Bible pages, like that was their toilet paper, Right? And so his job was he had to go clean that up in the campsite. He had to clean that up after the soldiers had used the bathroom. That guy came to Christ by reading bathroom paper. Wow. Wow. And it was like, that hit me like it's, it's all God's word. Mm-hmm. Like for us delivering it, we just have to be clear. Exactly. You know, he had to read words on a page. He had to see them, and it was clear to him, even though it might have had other stuff on it, yeah right, yeah. so my job is to be clear and my job is to care about the people, and my job is to be faithful to the word of god and 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 that's it yeah. and and I can kind of just take off that coat of all these expectations that i think that I have, you know. Yeah. yeah. That conspiracy yeah. theories that are in here, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: It's true. Absolutely. Taken off. It's beautiful. Yeah, taken off that burden of having to do the work in the human heart. Yeah. It it should be humbling and relieving in its in its aspect. And we we burden ourselves to make sure that effect takes place or it looks a certain way and we might end up producing false uh, converts or hypocrites just saying act do dress and they do that and they're not believers and they think they are because they act, do and dress. So it's important for us to, to realize like the, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all those that believe. Yeah. Whoever believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth will be saved. Um, That's so central to what we're doing uh, on this podcast as well. It's like, we really, really, really want to hammer that and explain it and stretch it and just highlight it for everyone. Like, we're, we've been saved when we heard and believed the gospel. What happened around that, that can, that can color and that can animate our experience. But what happened in it is the word of God made its way in. And it's not because we were good enough because I was an addict, I was a thief, and I was a miscreant while I heard and believed the gospel. So what happens... In our life, when the gospel comes in and does its work, we become followers of Christ. We have the Christian graces that we begin to see articulated in our character, in our lives. We literally begin to have holy affections. Like, we mm-hmm. desire that. I mean, yeah. that's that's a miracle, but because some places say, see, it's because of this. It's like we, they give the credit to all the wrong stuff, and when you get the credit to that and you believe it then you start running towards that and that becomes your idol and now it's like it's because of that it's because of that it's like you've just elevated man's work or maybe man's response or maybe man's self-decoration or maybe man's efforts to the purpose of why that person's salvation took place it's like it's it's god's gospel it's his work the thief on the cross was saved in the new testament period because he died after jesus which is the end of the first the old testament so that he was saved by believing, mm-hmm. and con- mm-hmm. he confessed it. He he showed that he believed. He confessed yeah. it. So, so yeah, absolutely, man. We we really do put a, this burden on us, and it forces us to like <clears throat> worry or have anxiety or even pride. I think all three of those can mm. be sinful. Yeah. I mean, to worry, Jesus says, "Don't worry." <laughs> to have anxiety, uh, Paul writes, "I really do not be anxious." Yeah. To be proud, prideful. I mean, that's
1: everywhere everywhere, everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> so it's like
2: we can never like say oh, I had good reasons like we really don't <laughs> if no. Jesus says don't worry we have no reason to worry so yeah I just hope that we can do that in this next coming years as God provides whatever he affords us the opportunity I'd be happy to see all of you mm-hmm. back here uh, I'd love to now that we can do a four-mic discussion this this could be great. Yeah. Uh, I hope yeah, it wasn't definitely. too much. So yeah, let's just uh, let's go forward. Let's make plans with God in our eyes and our in our sights, and make sure that we say, if the Lord will, then we will. Because if He won't, doesn't matter what we do, mm-hmm. we won't. Um, don't try to pry the door open. Don't try to pry the, the door open. Closed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. All right, guys. Um, well, let's conclude this year for the glory of God, and thank you for joining us on Milk and Meat Podcast, and we'll catch y'all next time. God bless. Because I be worried about you so Why you still be doubting you got a soul Like you need to see to believe these things But you believe things that you've never seen the feelings and hopes